The Trojan Women Project Festival allows artists from countries that have experienced a history of conflict like Guatemala, Kosovo, and Cambodia to collaborate artistically in their home country and to perform with actors here in New York in a revival of the play The Trojan Women, put on by the La Mama Experimental Theater Club. This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. Today I'm joined by members of the Trojan Women Project. So let's go around so everyone can introduce themselves and what you do. Uh, I'm Ani Johnson. I'm the director of the Trojan Women Project. I'm George Drance. I'm a team member. Uh, I help out with training and um, with any other needs of the company. And I'm Daniela Markai from Kosovo, and I'm uh, here as an actress for the Trojan Women. Welcome all. And I want to start um, by someone telling me the story uh, quickly, uh, the abridged version of the Trojan Women play. What's it about? The Trojan Women, as written by Euripides 2,500 years ago, is about... Um, it starts actually at the end of the Trojan War. The Greeks are the victors. The city of Troy has been destroyed. All the men have been killed. All the male children, except for one, have been killed. And the women and female children are being are about to be taken as slaves or concubines or wives to Greece by the Greek soldiers. And the, it's an interesting play because it doesn't have a lot of story. There's not a lot of things that happen. We meet the characters, the mythological characters, Hecuba, Andromache, Cassandra, the son of Hector and Andromache Astyanax, who is the last remaining boy child who is in the play killed. And uh, we meet them and then they leave. And that's the story. That's the story. And the La Mama Experimental Theater Club started performing the Trojan Women almost a half a century ago. So in what way has the performance that you put on today changed from that 1974 performance? Who wants to take that? Well, Ani was uh, an original cast member in the first Trojan Women. I joined the company a little bit later, and my first experience of the play was in 1997 when we did it in Seoul, Korea. It's been all over the world in, in its um, original iteration, uh, directed by Andre Sherban with music composed by Elizabeth Suedos. And um, I think what, um, what makes the projects different about the show itself is um, the, the show itself had it, uh, a way of, of standing on its own. Ellen Stewart, who was the founder of La Mama, was really looking for a way for uh, people from different cultures to have the same artistic experience in spite of their own language background, their own ethnic or linguistic background, um, their own place of origin. She wanted someone from five different places in the world standing next to each other to have the same kind of gut experience. So in the 70s, Andre Sherban and Elizabeth Suedos were working with Peter Brook, who was also working with a kind of theatrical vocabulary of sound and gesture. And they came up with these three plays, which really... Um, stood out and, and have, uh, I, I dare say, transformed uh, American experimental theater and also influenced avant-garde, um, different forms of art. Uh, but it was this collaboration of Ellen Stewart really wanting to do that, Andre as director and Liz as composer, that um, the play is not in, in English. It's It uses ancient Greek and other ancient languages, 
Um, and so uh, a few years ago, um, Ani approached me with an idea uh, that I thought was great. We were always looking for a way that, you know, what could be the next thing that we could do with this piece that has touched so many people and has really been all over the place. And uh, Ani had a, a great vision, and I was happy to join her. Maybe, Ani, you want to say a little bit about how that uh, occurred to you and, and then what we did to, to pursue it. Um, we had always heard from various people that as an audience member watching the Trojan Women that their lives had been changed, whatever that meant, whether it was as an art artist or as a person, I don't know. But people had this experience because it's really extremely, extremely powerful theater. So um, I, I, we, it's hard to know exactly where the original impulse came for the project, had this um, question about what it would be like to bring the play to places of recent conflict and um, teach the music as Elizabeth wrote it and teach the staging that Andre had given us in the 70s and then see if, if there was a particular resonance that occurred in these different countries. And then our idea was that the production would then become theirs. So we tried it out. We, um, we had some uh, prior connections to people in Guatemala through Ellen Stewart, our mama. And um, Guatemala is a country where there was a 30-year civil war that on paper is over, but um, continues on some levels. And we, ha we had a mixed company of... Uh, people from Guatemala City and indigenous women from uh, different areas in Guatemala, and we taught them the play over the course of three weeks and then six weeks, and they performed it, and then it lived there. And then we went on and did the same in G Cambodia, and, and then finally we went to Kosovo where we um, had an amazing company of... Uh, of Albanian, Serbian, and Roma actors, dancers, musicians, and now some of them have come from all three countries to New York. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon, talking with members of the Trojan Women's Project, Ani Johnson, Daniela Markai, and George Drantz. Their festival allows artists from countries with a history of conflict to perform with actors in New York and a revival of the play, The Trojan Women, put on by La Mama Experimental Theater Club. So you decided to take the production to these ravaged areas uh, to have artists perform them there. Correct. Um, again, how did you choose these particular places? In, in each country that we went, we formed partnerships with art, uh, arts organizations there. In Cambodia, we uh, were connected to the director of a contemporary dance company, which in Cambodia has a particular significance because after the, um, the Khmer Rouge genocide in Cambodia, 90% of the artists were eliminated. So there is an intense and vital and amazing effort in Cambodia to preserve any elements of traditional art, music, dance, um, 
everything. So um, there was a festival a number of years ago in New York City called Seasons of Cambodia. And at that time, I was introduced to the director of this contemporary dance company, which combines traditional dance with contemporary forms. And again, we pitched this idea of of the Trojan Women Project, and he thought this has to come to Cambodia because um, this is, it's 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 just right for where the country is right now, coming to terms with the aftermath of their war. So we went to Cambodia. In uh, w- the reason why we chose Kosovo is that a member of our team, Maud Dinon, who is a producer who we met in the seventies in France, had actually worked in Kosovo during the Balkan War. Um, with the United Nations. So she had a number of really vital connections. And also, I know a piece of her heart will always be in that country. So she brought uh, um, another team member, Kim Ima, to Kosovo. They made a partnership with with um, Art Police, which is an amazing uh, act, social justice activist political feminist theater company in Kosovo and then we met actors there and and uh, that's where that's where we stand and Danielle you're from Kosovo correct yes so how has this experience worked for you and in, in, in being a part of this play uh, when uh, first uh, La Mama came to Kosovo. Uh, the Art Police Center uh, opened an application where we applied for being part of a workshop first. So we started the workshop and uh, learning uh, this part of the text, which were languages and words we had no idea what we were saying. And they seemed very difficult in the beginning. And uh, for 10 days we had the workshop uh, and at the end we had like an present a presentation uh, to the audience and in just 10 days we started to feel these words and to know what and to feel what we are saying even though we didn't know the words we felt what we are saying and then after one year we started with practicing for the opening uh, of the Trojan Women in a festival in Kosovo, which was FemArt. And we had a great opening there with a great cast and great teachers from La Mama. And uh, the opening was amazing. We had about 1,000 people who also didn't know any word what we're saying, but all of them uh, in their own way uh, felt what it was happening. And that was a great feeling. When we started, we had no idea what will, when we started with a workshop, we had no idea what's going next. And uh, we didn't even expect ex- ex- expect that we'll be here together from Cambodia, Guatemala, Kosovo, and New York are actors that will become all together for this great festival. Anna used the word powerful. The performances are powerful even though people don't quite, uh, might not understand the language. So how do you bring that out on stage? It's everything combined from the music and that was composed in a very uh, powerful way and the sounds that we use and also the movements that we make and the collaboration between the uh, actors and the 
and the different spaces that we use, but it's mostly the sounds that we use that will uh, make it uh, be more understandable. Can you demonstrate the sounds that you make? Can Do you feel I? comfortable doing yeah. that? Can I? Please. A little Cassandra, maybe? A little Cassandra. Okay. That's got a great beat to it. <laughs> it is. It's got a great beat. Do you know what you were saying? Does anybody know what you say? I don't. <laughs> what, do you know what language it is? Well, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Suedos started working with um, uh, ancient Greek when uh, this whole project with Andre and with Ellen started out. They did three plays, Medea, Electra, and Trojan Women. In the Medea, she worked with uh, Greek and Latin because there were two versions, one by Sophocles, I, I think, and one by, um, by Seneca. So when Jason and Medea were uh, very, very... Um, calm with each other they used the latin text because that was a much more metered sound but then when they got very explosive they switched to the greek text so elizabeth was just a genius with sound and and she would spend um so much time just investigating um the the way the the way the the sounds are produced within the mouth and um was so so um very very much involved in the detail of making the sound, that when they got to Electra, which was just all ancient Greek, and then after that to Trojan women, she started borrowing sounds from many, many different ancient languages that people don't know anymore. And then she just started inventing some, some sounds of her own by, by um, putting things together. Um, but it was a painstaking process that um, the artists were very much involved with, um, but Elizabeth and Andre would always really hone it to find out exactly what was right for the moment. So what Daniela was just doing was was um, a kind of a rallying cry, and I think you hear that in the rhythm. You, you mentioned that it has a great beat. And so um, she sees this vision of what's going to happen because of the, the Greek invasion and, and the destruction of the civilization. But then it switches on to... Um, uh, what else happens with the women where um where Cassandra, who is a prophetess, also sees that this is um this is the beginning of of a new civilization that n no one could really understand yet um, but Liz and Andre and Ellen were really interested in these larger than life paradigms um, which we seem to have forgotten in a contemporary society but are still operative in the way that we deal with each other, in the way that history unfolds, in the way that uh, human interaction happens. And so, um, so her attention to those sounds and how they are in their own languages really is what birthed this kind of work with sound. I don't know if, if you have anything to add on that, Ani. Well, the only thing I'd add is that um, for the audience... It's kind of a liberation to not have literal language because language can really be a barrier. It can be a political barrier. It could be an emotional barrier. And when you can't use that part of your brain that is um, processing language that we, as we know it, as I'm using it right now, then a whole other part of your humanity comes alive. And I think that the secret of the play and the secret of its success in touring all over the world and of welcoming in as it is now... Um, different cultures and different 
ideas is that um, w without language, but with making an effort to understand each other, we really open ourselves up. It almost seems like the, the way language is used in the play, language itself is more of a character. That's an interesting way to look at it. Yes, I would say that too. It kind of seems like that. So uh, La Mama put the play on in the 70s, and this play is, what, like 2,500 years old. Yes. What are the similar themes that run through the play that are still relatable today? Okay. Um, well, there there is the theme of of war, because obviously the, there is the story of the Trojan War that many of us know. There's, um, there's the theme of genocide, um, the entire uh, male population of Troy was destroyed uh, in an effort to well to end that civilization. Uh, I think that's a unfortunately continues to be relevant today. There is definitely a theme of of displacement of a people being. Uh, needing to or being moved from one place to another. There's not a day that goes by when you don't read of some other um, group of migrants trying to cross a border, being forced to cross a border, being forced from their home. That continues. Um, there's definitely uh, a theme of uh, the treatment of women, how uh, women become victims of violence and how it is not addressed by society in in our production there are there are ambiguous treatments of women Helen of Troy appears um, and we ha we need to question what that's about and historically what is what is the way that we view that symbol of a certain kind of femininity and and what is its relevance today I think that's actually a theme that we didn't even consider in the 70s, but it's certainly something that is very um, provocative in this time. Daniela, can you tell me what the similarities are and what the differences are in performing this in Kosovo as opposed to New York and vice versa? I think when we performed it in Kosovo, uh, it was the original production and it was adapted to the culture in Kosovo some added music and the way we make sounds it was uh, mostly adapted for the Kosovo uh, culture but here we're met, uh, different cultures and everybody brings its Be it's best from their own countries and from their own experiences and different musics, different way of saying the words, the same words and uh, different uh, way of expressing their emotions. And that's what makes it uh, different at, at the same time, more beautiful and more powerful. And uh, I know, Anna, you were part of the original cast. Will there be other original cast members from the 1974 performance performing today? Uh, Valois? Yes, <clears throat> there will be. Um, the, uh, Valois Mickens, who is an ori uh, original cast member, is performing. Um, and we've also had the help of original cast members who've come in. The, uh, Andre, in these days, has been using the word transmission a lot. But there's a lot of, I don't, there's a lot of stuff being transmitted, a way of working um, and ideas 
So the, uh, Priscilla Smith, who is an amazing actress and was uh, the original Andromache in Trojan Women, as well as Electra and Medea in Fragments of a Trilogy, has been working with the people who've come from other countries and um, it's like passing on a, a tradition, which is really amazing. And there's been other original cast members as well. And how do Bill you think? Bill Rule, who's who's the uh, the, the the musical director. Bill Rule was also involved in in the very very first phases of the Trojan Women, and um, he's been teaching uh, musicians from all over the world. He's assembled a, a tremendous team of musicians that have actually brought. Uh, instruments from their own countries uh, and the soundscape uh, is at, at the same time all of the notes that Elizabeth uh, wrote but they have different voices when they're on different instruments and to have all of those voices represented in the room is is really magical. So I'm an audience member I'm it's a black stage the curtain goes up uh, Ani, can you share your process for what I'm going to see, what the Trojan Women Project will look like to me as the audience? Oh, yeah. Well, first off, you won't be in a black space or a black <laughs> box, and there is no curtain to go up. I'm old school. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> that's okay. No, it was I mean, a perfect setup, actually. Actually, <laughs> actually, that's wonderful to hear because after 45 years, you know, you think, well, is this actually revolutionary theater? But because you're expecting a curtain, I feel, oh, okay. It's still a little bit new. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the show is actually divided into two parts. And in the first part, um, the audience is, is actually a participant in what goes on. The, the actors will, without giving too much away, mm -hmm. will um, emerge first as sound and then, you, then as, as a procession through the audience, which is hopefully um, crowding the lobby. We know it will crowd the lobby. And, uh, and then the actors will turn around and then enter the theater space itself and the audience will follow and the action of the of the first part of the play which involves soldiers and the characters Hecuba, Cassandra, Andromache, Helen um, will happen all, all, th all through the what is now the Ellen Stewart Theater at La Mama. Uh, it's a big beautiful space that was um, that had the Trojan Women in 1974 as its first performance um, to inaugurate the space. And uh, and then in the second half of the play, the audience will be guided to seats and, um, and the curtain... It, it might, there is a curtain. It might move to the side, but it's never going to go up. <laughs> it's never going to go up. <laughs> and now we understand uh, that this performance um, is part of a, a larger Trojan Women Project Festival. That's correct. So what other events are there in the whole festival, which is how long? 11 days. 11 days. So what are some of the other events that are taking place? Today, uh, Sunday, December 8th, um, there is actually a workshop for children uh, diff members of the companies from the three countries, Kosovo, Guatemala, and Cambodia, are going to demonstrate some masks and some mu music-making devices, and then the children are going to create a little piece of theater using those things. And then there'll be a performance of the Trojan Women with a talk back after, which should be really exciting. Um, also, as part of the festival, there are two um, interactive cyber linkings through Culture Hub, which is the... Um, technological wonder of La Mama. There will be conversations with actors in, uh, in New York and in the three different countries. Uh, one, 
One will be sort of a meetup of all the people in the three countries who were not able to come to New York for various reasons and the people here. And the other one will be more a conversation about what it's like to do theater across borders. Um, there is going to be two performances of an evening that is devised by the three, we're calling it the company show. Each of the three countries has a kind of mini performance that will somehow be threaded together and that's going to happen on Tuesday, December 10th and Friday, December 13th. The Trojan women will continue for eight performances, including Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, up to December 15th. There's um, also a, a, a part of La Mama series called Coffeehouse Chronicles, and there is going to be one dedicated to the women of the Trojan women that's going to be moderated by Anne Bogart. And um, all of this information is on the La Mama website. website. There's a calendar. There's specific times because sometimes things happen before and sometimes after the show. There's talkbacks. There are workshops. We're going to be doing workshops as well. There's going to be a workshop for um, led by members of the international companies, and there's also a workshop that's going to be led by a woman who's coming from Greece who specifically does um, theater for social justice and all that information is available on our website. And the website is? LaMama.org. LaMama.org. And my last question, um, and this is for each of you. I'd like each of you to answer, answer this. So what do you hope your audience walks away with from this play? Um, for me, the strongest moment in the in our production is a moment towards the very end of the play where um, the women are about to be taken away um, to Greece, if you're following this story. And there is a group of women herded into the center of the stage and a circle of men who portraying soldiers on the outside and the women turn to the circle of soldiers and hold out their hands. And um, for me, that moment is, it is the, it is the moment uh, what are the women doing? What are they asking for? Or what are they giving? So um, I guess what I would like people to go home with is this idea that if you really truly um, confront somebody who you consider your enemy or your captor or your oppressor or your chattel or you're a slave and really look at them and really ask yourself what you're looking at um, I guess I would like the audience to go home with that question okay and Danielle after they've seen you on stage if there's a stage um, what do you hope your audience walks away with uh, I think in each part of the show there is a place where everyone will will in a way or another, find their them, themselves. So what I would like the audience to leave the theater with is reflecting about each part that they found themselves in and uh, see what in the future they can change for better. And George? So um, I guess I would want people to go home um, with 
the experience that that Danielle is talking about, that the question that Ani's talking about, but also um, seeing how are we connected, how are we um, responsible for each other, uh, and and not just responsible for ourselves. How do we treat each other? How do we open to each other? Uh, that's that's my hope. And where can people get information on the play and the festival? Uh, there are two websites. Lamama's website is lamama.org. That's L-A-M-A-M-A dot org. Or uh, the Trojan Women Project. Uh, all, yes, with a the. Um, if you go to just Trojan Women Project, you'll get to a site about a, a different but interesting project. But <laughs> ours is the Trojan Women Project dot org. And um, that gives you not only uh, the, the, a link where you could get to uh, tickets and the events, but also the history of the project and some really great chronicles about it. Ani, Daniela, George, thank you for coming on Fordham Conversations. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. I'd like to thank my guest, Ani Johnson, Daniela Markai, and George Drantz. You can like Fordham Conversations on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter and catch up on shows you've missed with our weekly podcast. For WFUV's Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon. Some shallow